0: So, so glad to be here together this morning. Want to welcome those of you joining us online. We're always glad you tune in as well. I am extra pumped, extra excited. I should say Heather and I are extra pumped and extra excited today because both of our girls, like some of you, are home today. So we're excited about that because it's been the first time. It will applaud all the kids that come home today, not just ours, all the kids that come home and grandkids that come home and those things. But uh, it's been since last Christmas Since Reagan uh, from Florida has been home, and it's been since last Easter since Riley has been home. So it just doesn't matter how the day goes. I can bomb this message today. It doesn't matter uh, because our girls are home. We get to spend the week with them this week, and then just a few weeks later, uh, they'll be home for Christmas. And uh, so we're excited. And so I'm so glad that they're here uh, with us today. And some of you don't even know, I mean, because. Reagan spent a lot of her time at this church in college and some of you guys hear me talk about Reagan and Riley and you're like, well, you never see them. So um, we are parents, we're proud parents and they're real and they're here today. So glad to have you girls, so good to be together as well. We're in a series called Stale right now and uh, if you're unfamiliar with it or you haven't been here, it's simply this idea that all of us love hot, fresh bread uh, you know, Thanksgiving's coming. <laughs> We're going to have some nice hot rolls coming soon. I mean, I'm going to talk about it just to annoy some people because like uh, you don't, may not know Rick Roberts, but Rick Roberts uh, had dinner. They felt sorry for me while I was batching it last week with Heather being gone um, to see her mom. And so uh, he, they had me over for dinner. Man, we had hot rolls and uh, he had to eat this gluten-free stuff. And so I was rubbing it in, you know, the nice hot rolls that I was eating and that stuff. And he said, if you talk about hot rolls, anymore i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna walk out so anyway this is your opportunity rick i mean you're gonna i'm I'm just kidding so i'm just kidding we want rick to stay but we're it's more in the the mindset or thought of uh no one likes to eat stale bread you know if you get stale bread at thanksgiving you're just gonna toss it you're not gonna eat it and we're not meant to get stale Um, we're not meant to lose our flavor, our saltiness, our, are those things that we should be known for as believers. So I don't want to become stale. Um, many of us though, we have this human condition. We all have it. I have it. You have it. And it's that we just tend to, we can get stale if we don't, you know, flame, uh, fire. uh, What do you call it? Fame, the fire. What is it? Flame, the fire, fire, the flame. Stoke the flames. There we go. It just takes long enough to get there. If, if we don't want to lose that taste, we don't want to lose that excitement, And uh, but it's the human nature, it's our human condition I know that I look back when I first gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ I was so passionate excited, enthusiastic my desires changed I mean my dad was a pastor so I had to go to church, uh, but now I wanted to go to church, I wanted to worship, I wanted to hang out with God's people, I wanted to do good, I wanted to be good, I wanted to set a good example for my friends at school, I mean I wanted to share i wanted i wanted to live differently but we all have this human condition that we have these ebbs and flows and the tendency sometimes is for us to get careless and this is the greatest battle that i have in my faith is not just a flat out i reject god and i have nothing to do with them it's just getting careless just kind of forgetting about him. And it's our human condition. It's something that we all face. We can get careless and we lose our passion. We lose our mojo. We lose our enthusiasm because we just begin to live life and things happen and we have our ups and downs. It's, it's also just um, every not only every Christian's battle, but it's every person's battle. No matter what area of life there is uh, you we get excited about things then we kind of lose that excitement sometimes we get excited you know after the holidays we're all going to get really excited about this diet thing i mean we're all going to be like yes this is the year 2024 this is the year that we're going to do it and it's easy to kind of get excited a few years back actually many years back when heather and i first began our relationship We were wanting to lose some weight back then and now we're going, why did we need to lose weight back then? Now we need to, I mean, I'm going to speak for myself, not get myself in trouble. Um, Why were we thinking we needed to lose weight back then? I don't know, but uh, I don't know if it was me or Heather that came across this amazing state-of-the-art diet plan called the cabbage soup diet. Anybody familiar with the cabbage soup diet? Anyone done the cabbage soup diet? Okay, I don't even like cabbage, but it was all this principle that if we would do this for like 14 days, that, I mean, it was just, the pounds were just gonna shed off of us like butter. And so I was we were excited. In fact, we got extra excited because we said, hey, if we make enough of this stuff, eating it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, if we eat enough of this stuff, we won't have to cook for two weeks. And so we were like all excited. We made enough cabbage soup for two weeks, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we started breakfast morning. It was a Monday morning because that's when all diets start. And so we started on Monday morning. We're like, okay, we're going to do this. We had our cabbage soup and we we're like, mm, this, what do you think, Heather? She's like, mm. and we were both kind of lying to ourselves. Going, mm, this is good. This is good. I really like this. We got to lunch and we're like, hey, what's, mm, this, it's good. Are you, you, you excited about it? Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about this. And so we got to dinner and we had our third helping of, cabbage soup And by about 10 o'clock that night, I was like, I can't take this anymore, Heather. Uh, I want to go get a Whopper at Burger King. That's just what sounded really good to me. And she says, I'm all with you on the Whopper at Burger King, but their fries are terrible. So McDonald's has the best fries. And so let's go get the Whopper at Burger King. Let's go eat a large fry at McDonald's. That night, the same day that we started the cabbage soup diet, we were eating Whoppers and McDonald's French fries. And we threw away two weeks of hard-earned money and cabbage soup because we got excited, but boy, we drifted fast there. I mean, we got careless quick. It's in anything in life. Uh, You may start a new job. And, and you're all excited at the get-go, but maybe you get a little careless and you start taking it for granted and your excitement wavers and wanes. Or you start something new in life. Reagan, my oldest, uh, started in Florida about a year and a half ago. And she was like, this is so awesome. I'm living in the sunshine state. I'm living in Florida. I'm 15 miles from the beach. She's actually collected 100 shells. I stand corrected. She has 100 shells every time that she's gone to the beach. She's like, I, love, I love the beach, and I love that I get to live in Florida, but uh, about five six weeks ago, back to back weeks, she had some car breakdowns some some car expenses to the tune of about a thousand to twelve hundred dollars, and I was just trying to encourage her and say, "Man, this is just you know part of growing up, and these things happen, and it's happened to all of us. Things break down," and she said, "I'm tired of being an adult." sometimes we can get tired of being an adult we just want to go back to being a kid and certainly in a relationship or if you're married um, we start off every marriage starts off with excitement everyone starts off with the honeymoon and everyone begins well but we all have this human condition that we can get careless in life we can get careless in our relationships. Israel, uh, God's chosen people, this was their story. If you want to know the story from Genesis to Revelation, from the beginning to the end, what the story was, it's this this condition. Israel would be on fire for God, passionate about the Lord, and then they would get careless, and their carelessness would lead to consequences, because our carelessness leads to consequences. We get careless driving, we get careless in our marriage, whatever it is. When we get careless, we, we have consequences, and they were having consequences but then uh, they got so tired of those consequences they repented to, to God God restored them and they got all excited and fired up about God again and then they would get careless and then there would be consequences and then they would repent and God would restore them and that was just over and over throughout the scriptures that is the human condition and we're no different The Apostle John uh, wrote uh, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he also wrote this book of Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. And uh, we're going to share from some of his words, were actually aren't really his words, they're the words of the resurrected Jesus. After his resurrection, he appeared to John, and let me just back up and talk a little bit about John, not assuming we all know who he is. Uh, John was one of the 12 disciples after the resurrection and Judas was gone. Uh, There was 11 of them remaining. 10 of those 11 died a martyr's death. Whether crucified on a cross like Jesus, even the, he's even said that Peter was nailed to a cross, was hung upside down on a cross, or whether it was the guillotine, which is actually one of the most convincing proofs for me of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is that ten of these eleven, when John would have been willing to, they died not for what they believed, they died for what they saw. They saw the resurrected Jesus. They were cowards. They ran when he was uh, on the cross. When he you could, they couldn't be found. But after 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 the resurrection, when they saw the living Jesus, that is the greatest proof to me of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he's a living God that we sing about today because they died not for what they believed, but for what they saw. Well, John was the only one who did not die a martyr's death, but it didn't mean his life was easy. He was banished to the island of Patmos. He was exiled there to live out his last days in isolation and alone. And it was here in 8095, 45 years after a church that we're gonna talk about in a moment, 45 years after a church got started, in 8095, uh, Jesus revealed himself to John on the island of Patmos, and asked them to record these words to us that we have in the book of Revelation. And I'm gonna, we're not going to really go through end time prophecy and those things. That's not what we're here today. It's good. It's important. Uh, but what we're here today is we're looking at seven churches that they wrote that he wrote to in chapter two and three. And we're going to look at the very first church. It's the church of Ephesus. But really, you could just call it the careless church. They had just become careless. And we're going to see why here in just a moment. There were seven churches that existed in the first century. These aren't made up or hypothetical. These were seven churches that existed in the first century that do not exist today. They were given, each of them were given encouragement and they were given warnings. They were given admonishments and they were also chastised. They were, they were saying, hey, good job here, but hey, this is, if it doesn't change, we're going to be in trouble here. And this is the story of the first church, the careless church that we find in Ephesus, that uh, this, these words that Jesus spoke to John that he coined and recorded for us. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, Jesus is telling John to write this. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now, all through Revelation, it kind of can be confusing to read. It can be easy just to skip over it because there's a lot of imagery, there's a lot of symbolism, not meant to be taken literally, but speaking a truth. Like Jesus told parables that weren't, it didn't really happen, but he told those stories to speak into a truth. Well, there's things that happen. There's imagery in Revelation that is not literally an angel to the church in Ephesus because angels were messengers, Angels in the Old Testament, they are the ones received a message from God that took it to the people or took it to the prophets and the prophets shared it. They were messengers. So when it says to the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? He's saying to the leaders of the church or maybe to the pastor of the church, I want you to write, these are the words of him, Jesus, who holds the seven stars. The seven stars is another uh, imagery symbol of pastors or leaders of the church, or the seven pastors of these seven churches. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars, the pastors in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. They're not literally golden lampstands that he's walking in amongst. That represents the churches. The lampstands are the seven churches and the stars are the seven pastors of these churches. And there's a place in in Paul that he writes to the church in philippi and says don't grumble and don't grumble and argue so that you can shine like stars in the universe church we're meant to shine like stars you and i we are meant to shine like stars when and i don't mean shine the light on us but when we show up to the workplace we should bring refreshment people should want to welcome us into when we walk into the room not run from us when we walk into the room when you go into your schools and you go into your classes your teachers if you're a follower of Jesus they should be like yes I'm so glad to here today oh no we got another hour with this one I mean they, there's we should shine like stars in the universe and that's why he's referring to us here in, in, in John these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks amongst the seven golden lampstands I am so grateful when I get to hear stories and see the church, not coming to church and gathering on an hour for Sunday morning, but when I get to hear stories of you being the church in your work and in your school. Uh, a couple of stories I want to share in that this morning as we seek to live up to our new name to inspire. If we're going to inspire, we've got to do things that are inspiring, uh, not to focus the light on us, but to focus the light on Jesus. A couple stories. The first one was with permission as long as I kept the people anonymous. There was two couples in our church. They went to Applebee's this last week and I got to hear actually about this through Pastor Nate and I got permission to share this, not sharing people's names. They went to Applebee's. Two couples were sitting there eating their dinner and at the end of the dinner, um, the one person said, you know, I felt like I was being pretty good, left a 30% tip. I was feeling pretty good about things and um, my friend, he Put down one of these cards that you have on your seats that says you belong here. Our invitations to our uh, our name of our new church and an uh, invitation to Sunday mornings. He put that on the table and he slapped down a hundred dollar bill on that card and. Uh, three of them went outside to uh get ready to leave one had to go to the bathroom the one that went to the bathroom on on his way back saw what his friend uh the hundred dollars that he'd left on that card and he saw the waitress holding that invitation in her hands tears streaming down her face i love it when the church is being the church I, I, I love it when uh, Pastor Christie's sister-in-law I said Pastor Crispy first service that was a new one so Pastor Crispy has a new name so we're gonna it's her new nickname when she comes back from vacation Pastor Crispy uh, Pastor Christie. Um, our children's pastor, um, her sister-in-law, Jacqueline Thomas sells, and I can't pronounce these names. I don't know who comes up with some of these clothing lines and stuff, but there's Lula Lemon, and there's Lula Rue. There's those things. She sells a product line of, yeah, the ladies are like, yes, yes, this is not an advertisement, but she was on online selling Lula Rue, I think not Lululemon Lula Lula Rue. Say that fast. Five times. She was selling that online. She said, anybody who buys pajamas in the next hour, I will donate a pair of pajamas to one of the ladies in our churches that is a shut-in that, that you know, can't come to church anymore. And 14 pairs of pajamas were bought in that hour, more than the shut-ins, I guess, that we have as far as ladies. Seven ladies in our church are gonna get a pair of pajamas that aren't able to come to church anymore, uh, physically can't do it anymore, but they're gonna get a pair of pajamas and they're gonna find seven more ladies that are, they're gonna bless with that. I love it when the church is being the church because that's when we're shining like stars in the universe. That's when we're doing the good works that God called us to do in advance to do. It doesn't save us. It's not something we don't earn God's love and salvation. We don't earn it. Works are because of his salvation. Works are because of what he's done for us. And I love it when the church is being the church. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now we kind of already talked about that, but just quickly, Ephesus Had some incredible stellar pastors. And actually, I thought about this and about our church going back to 1905. We have some stellar pastors. Uh, I I think about from 60 to 72. I was looking at their pictures on our Hall of Faith over here. And Pastor Strong from 60 to 72 who set up a great time for Pastor Hempel to help in 75 to 80 to move from 4th Street over here in 1980 to this incredible facility on 75 acres that we're on today. And then Pastor Broadbrooks, a young 33-year-old pastor that was six, this church was only six weeks. This this physical building was only six weeks old when a young 33-year-old got to come pastor this church. And then... uh, There's so many. I keep going on. Pastor Kendall Franklin, who is our longest serving pastor of 13 years, who now is in Wichita. We have some stellar, awesome pastors that I get to stand on the shoulders of. And some awesome Kevin Borger, some awesome associate pastors as well too. And Brian Smith. I mean, there's some wonderful history here. And there is some incredible, as credible that is, the, the pastors of this church, the founding pastor was the Apostle Paul, who turned the keys over to his protege, Timothy. And then the one who writes Revelation, the Apostle John was pastor at this church. Imagine the history of this church. I mean, they were given every advantage. I mean, rock star pastors they were given of these rock star churches at the time. And yet we're reminded that the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the pastors in their right hand and walks among the seven churches Jesus is reminding John and reminding us today, the rock star here is Jesus. The one who holds the church is not any man or not any group of people. The one who holds the church is Jesus Christ. The church is in good hands because of Jesus. And these church in Ephesus and the other six churches that were around in the first century, they're not here today. Doesn't mean the churches, the churches disappeared because Jesus said, The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. But we need to be reminded of whose church even our church is. It's not mine, I'm just a steward while I'm here. It's not yours, you're just stewards while you're here. This is Christ's church. This is His church. And our aim and our goal is to put the spotlight on Jesus. Well, He starts off and He says, I know your deeds. Your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. He starts his letter to these churches with everything they're doing right. You know, a good dad and a good mom first should be pointing out everything their child is doing right. Everything they're saying, great job, good job, great job at school, great job on the sports field, great job in how you're treating others and your character and your integrity. We should be pointing out the greatness of our kids first. And we have a heavenly father who's pointed out the greatness in us first. And he points out these things of this church. He says, man, you're awesome. I want to give my approval to you. And I want to let you know, I see that you're a serving church. I, I see your deeds. I see that you're a sacrificing church. I know your hard work. I know your labor. That labor uh, actually means to, to go to the point of exhaustion. He's saying you're a sacrificing church. You're a steadfast church. You, 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 you hold on. You hold steady. You've endured. You're a suffering church. You've suffered for my name. You haven't wavered. And you've separated. you set yourselves apart. You've you're a great church. And, and, and this separate means to be separate for the purpose of Christ. In fact, in, in, in verse six, he emphasizes this point even more. He says, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. It's a good reminder, church, for us here today that it's okay to hate the action and still love the person. In fact, that's what we're called to do fact, someone's actions and how they live, even if it's opposite of what scripture is, they shouldn't have any idea. All that they should experience from us is love. Let God speak his truth into their life. Let the word speak the truth into their life. Our job is to love. And it's okay, it's okay to hate the practice and, and love the person. There's things about my daughters as angels that they are. There's things that they've done that we have not approved of, that we haven't liked. There's not a lot, and I'm not sitting here thinking of many, just so you know. But there's there's things that we were not happy with that we disapproved of, but it did not stop one hundred percent of our love for them. We one hundred percent, and you one hundred percent love your kids, and our heavenly father one hundred percent loves his kids, why at the same time hating our sin because he knows it's destroying us. He knows it's not helping us, it's tearing us down. And the and the Nicolaitans, they, did, they they hated the practice of the Nicolaitans. What was the Nicolaitans' practice? The practice of the Nicolaitans was they were a sect of the church that lorded over their authority over the people of the church. In essence, they kind of set themselves up above. Christ came to break the barrier. They were setting up a barrier again of saying, "Hey, you got to come through us to get to God." And they, in essence, kind of created a thing that even we talk about today of laity and clergy. You know, we even had a clergy appreciation month. And you hear people talk about the lay person, and you hear people talking about the clergy. Nowhere can you find that in the scripture. You can't find anywhere that talks about the laity and talks about the clergy. Now, there is talk of pastors those are pastors are called to equip. There's a job that we function, that we have in a function. It's to equip the saints for the good works that God wants us to do. To, to, to go out and share his, his love with others. But there is no, we're all ministers. We're all ministers, but you are a chosen people, the Peter said, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. We are all ministers. Some of us are paid vocationally, but we're all ministers. When you show up to your work, when you show up to your school, when you show up in your your neighborhoods, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a minister on the spot. You're a minister. We are all ministers. I want to make sure awake here. Just, I don't do this very often. Just say, I'm a minister. And look at the person next to you and say, You're a minister. Okay, say it like you believe it. You're a minister. You're ministers. Okay, I've commissioned you. You've been commissioned. You go out in the schools. You go out in your businesses. You go out in your workplaces this week. You are a minister for Jesus Christ. We're all called to be ministers. We're all priests and and priests and kings. We're all set up in the kingdom to, to hold this priestly duty. So he starts with the approval. And he says, hey, guys, you're doing awesome. But then he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. I love how God always starts with everything you're doing right. Here's the six, seven, eight things you're doing right. But here's one thing that you're going to miss it. You've lost your first love. Paul said in Corinthians, you can have faith that can move mountains. But if you have not love, you have nothing. Church, we have nothing if we don't have love. You remember, maybe for those of you that are married or were married at one time, remember when you first began that relationship? Remember the stupid things you did? Talking for four or five hours on the phone at night? Into the wee hours of the morning? Driving from Topeka, Kansas to Mead, Kansas six hours on weekends just so you could see her? You don't remember that, I do. But you have your story. You remember when you did those things. Remember your first love, and it's so easy for us to get careless and to begin drifting and to begin taking it for granted. And when we're just going through the motions without the emotions, our relationships are in grave danger. I remember my high school coach. He used to he said, "Get back up on the line. You're just going through the motions." You're just going through the motions. Quit going through the motions. Get back up on the line. Run it again. And we would have to run it again and again and again until we were showing him that we meant business, that we wanted to do this, that we were excited to do it. So he goes first saying, hey, great job. Here's the approval. But then he gives this accusation. The approval, accusation, and I love God always gives a good answer. He said, I'm not just gonna leave you sitting here with a problem. Here's the awesome things that you're doing. Here's the one thing you've lost. You've forsaken your first love. And here's the answer. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Three things that he tells us in this passage. The answer first is this, to remember. Remember how far you've fallen. Remember what it was when you first were in love. You know, the honeymoon has a purpose, not just for pictures, not not just to remember that we had great days and now where they're not so great. No, the purpose of the honeymoon is to remember how great they were, to call our attention back to why we got married, why we entered into that relationship, why we fell in love. And you can be way, way far away from this place, but that's the purpose of the honeymoon. It's to draw our attention back to what it was when we first started, what it was when we began, because we naturally our human condition gets lazy. We get careless. We begin to take for granted. We just start going through the motions. And there's a call to us to remember. And I know I'm just talking about marriage for that so that's just my illustration, but the same is true for our relationship with God. We can just start going through the motions. And there's no emotion. Remember when you first gave your life to Jesus Christ? When you first received his forgiveness and his love and the freedom that we have in God, remember what that day was like. We're called to remember that day of salvation, that day when we put our faith and trusted in Jesus Christ and we took that first step and we began to walk with him. We're called to remember. Then we're called to repent. And he said, you've fallen far, repent. You know, the one of the greatest things that can restore relationship Is authentic repentance. Not looking at the other person where they need to repent and what they need to do and how they need to change, but looking at ourselves and saying, What do I need to change and what am I sorry for? God, forgive me. Honey, forgive me. But that true, authentic repentance. If we have more repentance, more more of that taking place in our world, our world would be so much better off. But I know for me, pride gets in the way. I like being right, it's one of my favorite hobbies. I love being right. But we need to care more about the relationship than we do about being right. Who cares who's right if you don't have the relationship? Remember, repent, and then do the things you did at first. Repeat the first. Get back to going on dates. Get back on writing those notes. Get back to doing the extra and doing those things. In our relationship with God, get back to, Get back to church. Get back into reading God's word. Get back into praying. Get back into sharing God's love with others. Do the things you did at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. That lampstand is influence. And these seven churches, they're no longer around today first century churches that were vibrant that were alive that were there, there was it, it was uh their heart was beating and today they're not around because they lost their influence they lost their lampstand and friends we can be in danger too i'm so thankful for our history i'm thankful that we that we started um and so many years ago but we can use, we can lose our influence if we lose our love and our passion for people Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I love winning. Anybody else like winning? My K State fans' hands went up today. KU fans, basketball season's coming. All right. I'm just kidding. We're getting pretty evenly matched, and now I'm losing everybody because I'm offending both sides of the aisle. So uh, I, I love winning, I love being victorious. But I care about the relationship more. I, I want more of a relationship tonight with my daughters and Heather than I want the Broncos to win. I want the Broncos to win. Don't, don't be confused. But I care more about the relationship. He, and, and, and we're promised a victory. Who doesn't want victory? We can have fallen far and we can have fallen hard. We can have fallen a, a, a long ways away from God. A long ways away from our relationship, but when we remember, when we repent, when we return, when we do the things we did at first, God offers us hope that there's victory. And it's really, it's the reason why we changed the name of our church to Inspire. Because we want people to walk in this journey. I, I, the mailman that services our church on Friday, he was in here, he was, he's from Wichita. I guess he lives in Wichita, works over here. And he said, hey, um, I see you changed the name of the church. He says, we did that too. And he told me what the name of his church was, and I said, "Yeah, tell me more about that." He goes, "Why'd you do it?" And he goes, "Well, and I, I think it's because the new pastor came in, and he wanted us to forget about our past and forget about who we used to be and want us to focus on who, who, who we are now. And I said, "Ooh, that's not what we did it for. We're doing it to build on our history. We're doing it because we want to build on our foundation, but we don't want to lose our first love." We don't want to get away from the things that started this church. And what started this church was in 1899, two ladies... That their faith activated by Jesus Christ began to pray for this community, began to pray that God would gather a people to hear the word of God and hear the, the love of Jesus. And in 1905, the church was established from these two ladies gathering and praying for these six or so years as Apostolic Holiness Church in 1905. And, and, and this church, they began to, to share in their community. They began to invite this community so that people would engage with God. And those people that would engage with god would find their true identity in jesus christ would claim their identity in christ so they in turn could go and make an impact in their world so that they could tell people to invite them into the community so they could engage with god so they could claim their identity so that they could find and discover their purpose to make a difference in this world that's been going on for over a hundred about 118 years That's our story. It hasn't changed. We're just giving it some new terminology to give it some purpose for where we're trying to go. And you see the four pillars. You're gonna hear it over and over this next year because I want us to get this into our minds and our thoughts. We wanna do what? These ladies, Maddie Hoke, and I don't remember the other lady right now, but Maddie Hoke and this other lady, they did this. They invited people into the community so that they could engage with God, so that they could claim their true identity in Jesus Christ, so that they could make an impact in this world that God had called them in advance to do. And they did that. And then those people that started coming they began to invite their friends and their neighbors and their family so that their friends and neighbors could engage with God so they could claim their identity in Jesus Christ so that they could make an impact in their world. And that process has been going on and on. It's the only reason that we're all here today in this church is because this was done over and over. And it's the same thing that we're called to do. You're a part of this community. You've engaged with God. You've found your purpose in Jesus Christ. Now it's your job to go out and make a difference in our world, to invite other people, to invite your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers into our community so they can engage with God. That's not a misspell if you're new here today. That's a deeper level of engagement, a deeper level of engagement. So we want people to really engage with God through Jesus Christ. So they can claim their identity in Christ and then go out and make an impact. So then they, your, your friends that you invite that got baptized last week, they're they're now inviting people because they're excited about their faith. Their faith has been activated and they're inviting people to join in community so they can engage with God, so they can claim their true identity in Christ so that they can make an impact and it's gonna go on and on and on. And that's why last week was one of the reasons that we started a new practice that it's not gonna be the pastors that are just baptizing people around here because we're all ministers. We're all ministers of the gospel. And you are having greater impact on these lives that are being baptized, most of them, than we are. So who should be the ones baptizing? The ones that have had the impact on their life. So that's why we had others besides pastors and we'll continue besides pastors baptizing because we want people to invite people into the community so they can engage with Jesus Christ, so they can claim their identity in him and make an impact in this world. That's what we're trying to do. And so this next year, In order for us to do that, here's what you're going to hear a lot about from the lips up here and from our other pastors. Everyone needs to get a one. Easier said than done. It is so easy for me just to work in this church environment with some wonderful, awesome people and never get out in the world and not live with others who don't believe like I do, think like I do, don't follow Jesus like I do. But that's what we're called. Jesus gave the parable to leave the 99 to go after the one. Not be satisfied and say, hey, my, my girls know Jesus and my wife knows Jesus and so we're good. No, we're called to leave the 99 to go after the one so other people can experience freedom from sin. Freedom from, from and, and love of Jesus Christ to experience their true identity in him. So everyone, our challenge is going to be this next year, everyone needs to get a one. We all need to get a one, and I 'll tell you this: when you get your one, you won't get stale. It's one of the practices that we talk about reading our Bible, praying, going to church. those are things that you're gonna, your, your, your relationship with God's going to get stale if you're not in a relationship and engaging in that relationship. But I can tell you another place that we get stale is we stop sharing god 's love. We stop sharing it with our friends, our neighbors and our coworkers. We stop sharing the hope that we have. So everyone, our challenge this next year, you're going to hear it through Christmas and all into next year, our challenge is everyone needs to get a one. And some of you are like, you know what? I, I hang around people that think like me, act like me, talk like me, and I haven't hung around someone that doesn't act like me, talk like me, or look like me in a long, long time. So your first step is to pray that God will give you a one. That God will bring a one into your life. That your heart will beat for them. You'll love them so much. You'll, just, you'll be praying for them daily. You'll be wanting to share God's love with them. You're wanting to encourage them. You're wanting to build up them and their marriage and their family or whatever it is. You want to be that one in their life because they're your one. That you're meant to share the love of God with. We all need our one maybe it's praying for a one maybe it's going get in our one but you want to see your faith come alive if I want to see my faith really come alive we got to have the one because Jesus's heart was for the one his heart was for the one that still didn't know him and he's not stopping he's not quitting until every person possible has a relationship with Jesus Christ would you stand with me today as we close in prayer heavenly father thank you, Lord, that we were once somebody's one. Someone loved us, prayed for us, cared for us, shared God's love with us, so that we could experience the freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. Father, I I, I thank you, Lord, that you've given us a path forward, that you've you have a path for us to invite people to to Christmas Eve and, and in this next new year so that they can engage with God, they can see how much you love them, that you died for them so that they can find their true identity in Jesus Christ and make an impact that they were called to make in this world. Father, help us to be your people doing this. And Father, we give you the thanks and the praise for all that you've done and all that you're doing. In Jesus' name amen before we go today maybe you're that one that hasn't accepted the one Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I don't want to leave here today without giving you that opportunity so we're kind of running behind time so I'm just going to share this with you would you pray pray this in your heart with us today we all pray this together as a commitment to our faith Lord Jesus I know I'm a sinner that you are the Savior of the world I ask you to come into my life I repent of my sins. I accept you as Lord and Savior, my God and my friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.